no chance. What's up, everybody? Episode 74 of the No Chance Podcast. As always, your hosts... Ryan and Nate, we're back, man. We're sorry about the little, uh, that little intermission. I mean, extended intermission that we took. Man, we're just busy folks, man. We're just busy, busy folks. Yeah, it's very. Been, it's been a minute, busy folks, and we apologize for the delay. But your boys are back, and we're excited to bring you guys this episode. We got a lot to talk about this episode, man. A lot of streetwear news, a lot of cultural shit going on. Um, we're here to bring it to you guys, but first, before we get into that, man, can we just, t- can we just provide the people with a little update of our, of our lives first? Like what you, what have you been up to in the, in the week that we haven't been talking to these people? Dude, it feels like we've been gone for like a month. It always it feels, feels like a so month when long. we don't record yeah. for like a week. Uh, what have I, what have I been up to? Let's see. Work, my normal job. Work is um, wild. And we had a couple of events these past few weeks, <laughs> which were insane, like, man, yeah, crazy uh, mix of emotions. <laughs> I'd say, yeah. man, it's just like, like, okay. So the, the event that we had last, what was that last Thursday? Yep. Uh, super far fetched in regards to like throwing an event on a Thursday typically is known as like a college night, but in the area that we live uh, it's not really like that big of a thing. Like obviously if you're on the East coast and you're, you're at like a big party school, college, uh, college town, then yeah, Thursday nights are like where it's at. But for some reason, Thursday nights in San Francisco, just, you know, have you, I mean, do you go out on a Thursday night? No, not I stay often, in, right? No. Like I don't, I don't go out on a Thursday night <laughs> either. And it's fucking freezing here for us Bay area folks. But we managed to throw a fucking amazing event on Thursday and so many people showed out. Shout out to all the performers. Shout out to everybody everybody that attended. We wanted it to be a very like chill, like, like come key. listen to music, drink some cocktails, you know, yeah. network with some people yeah. type of event. But the shit turned into yeah. a fucking was, rager for a Thursday night. Opposite. Yeah. <laughs> which is good, which is good. Yeah. And there wasn't any sort of script that went along with, with how the event was going to turn out. So we're glad that it ended up being very successful. So shout out to everybody that was you know responsible for making that happen. And shit, man, that shit was exhausting. I was nervous as fuck. I'm not yeah. going to lie, man. Like, I'm not the... I'm not an MC type. Like, I know that we talk on mics here and... That's only because it's just me and you in front of each other talking, but to to talk to either an empty room or a group of people in that capacity with that amount of energy, you really have to come with it. And goddamn, was that very very nerve wracking? I had one of those eight mile moments, the the mom spaghetti moment, yeah. where I like literally was at home hours before the event, <laughs> like thinking about like, all right, what am I gonna say? And literally was just like. Did you throw up? I just threw up. Just threw up, man. This shit was so nerve wracking. But shout out to me for getting that done. That shit was yeah. quite. Uh, yeah, it was a good turnout. It was, it was quite a good taxing, event. but yeah, it, yeah. it was definitely worth it. Um, so yeah, man, we got for for those that are that are wanting, we got so many more events coming down the pipeline. So please follow us, and man, stay tuned. We have so like literally stay tuned. I hate when people say stay tuned, but literally stay tuned. We got a lot of cool <laughs> shit coming down. Um, but let's get into some streetwear shit and shoot the shit real quick. All right, first topic of the day. I, I don't know how to pronounce how do you pronounce this? So Sochbees, Sotheby's, Sotheby's, Sotheby's. I yeah. feel like it's a very like um, 
elegant. There's an elegant way of pronouncing it, but but Sotheby's. Yeah, which you didn't do. <laughs> I did not. I just pronounce the words how they come, man. I yeah. don't think of any other context attached yeah. to them. But Sotheby's basically held the first auction of the. Man, world-renowned Sotheby's, if you guys don't know, first and foremost, is a broker of, like, amazing, like, art, collectibles, um, anything. Any, like, really, really rare, uh, highly antiquated item, typically older, um, very sought out after. They hosted the first auction of, like, a larger Supreme skateboard collection. Now, when you first, you know, you read the story and you're like, oh, okay, okay. uh, a Damien Hurst skateboard or whatever is going for, I don't know, $2,000, whatever. But this is literally the most curated skateboard collection I've ever seen. And they happen to be every single, I, I believe every single Supreme skateboard ever released, right? Yeah, since the 90s. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think it, it, may, it was made up of over 248 decks, all from Supreme's... I think it's it's establishment in 96, 90, early 90 or like mid to late 90s to all the way until present day. So 248 skateboards, which is fucking amazing for one person to not only track them down, but to track them down in like a pristine condition. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is by far like just trying to find like a pair of shoes, which is reproduced to the point of like, you know, tens, 20, hundreds of thousands of pairs finding a shoe for maybe like the early to mid 2000s is like already hard enough. Yeah. But to find a skateboard produced by a small ass company, which probably only has like two to 300 versions of it, it takes a lot of dedication as a collector. And yeah, a lot of dedication, a lot of time, a lot of money for sure. And an insane amount of hoarding, (laughs) if you know what I mean? Like to house 248 skateboards in your house, I could just, I can only imagine what that looks like. But um, so this made, you know, headlines across the news, tons of different outlets covered this and they ended up selling the entire collection, uh, through this auction for $800,000. I expected a lot more, but considering they are skateboards, um, from Supreme, it is kind of like a, that's eh, like a good average, I guess. Yeah. So then like, would you equate like Supreme skateboard? decks with like a piece of art since they're being auctioned off at South of Bees for like $800,000. Like, I think so. Yeah. I think like, like any other art, well, obviously there's only certain pieces of art that are one of ones, which is why the price for those works are so high. But when we're talking about something like Supreme skateboard decks, which are, um, mass mass produce. And when I say mass, maybe like three, 400, a thousand skate decks, but they're made by some of the those world-renowned artists that everyone knows, right? Yeah. Like a Damien Hirst is a, is a good example and everybody knows the skateboard with all the colored dots, right? Yeah. I would assume that if it is a print of maybe like a thousand, one of a thousand, and it's a Damien Hirst, that could go for a lot of money, like just on its own, right? Like I feel like that could almost go for what? Do, what do Damien Hurst go for nowadays? I have like, no idea. They go like for like hundreds of artworks, thousands yeah. of dollars. Like I don't see why why that skateboard alone couldn't, you know, go off for that that amount of money. Yeah, I think just because it's a skateboard deck doesn't necessarily limit it as, you know, as like a piece of art. I think no, not at all. I think maybe if you're like a pretentious like art head, that's like 
70, 80 years old. Oh, I can imagine like, oh, that's the, art. the comments yeah. from that world of just being like, this is not art. Like, yeah. art is this. But in like this, a French this. accent. Yeah, 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 I can't do that. <laughs> You're the one that's been there, so you'd, you'd have a better one than I do. Um, but I think just in general, it's a, it's nice to see these types of things make you know, larger headlines and pop culture and, and within the world of art because streetwear in itself isn't, it's anti-establishment, right? So yeah. it's taking, sometimes it is taking the works of renowned artists and flipping, bootlegging, ripping them off and turning it into sometimes an entire brand based off of uh, a painting or a graphic or a mural, whatever. And Supreme does a really good job in kind of mixing and matching of the that that world the art world and bringing them into their world or at least the people of that world being like shit like supreme is kind of cool in like a in like a like a rebellious artsy type way and and it kind of is synonymous with how that art world works yeah you know? there you know what's interesting is that their streetwear in general is sort of rebellious in the fact that it you know, it, it can share the same space as something like art. Yes. But in doing so, it's kind of like a middle finger to the oh. art world that maybe once uh, didn't hold a very high opinion of streetwear. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I feel like there's, there's a dichotomy within the art world where it's like half of it is probably wearing Supreme and sees the, the, the brilliance in Supreme. And the other half sees Supreme as like, you know, essentially, quote unquote, con artists of ripping off all these artistic works and and never attributing uh, credit to the actual artist or or who or whatever the designer, which makes sense, and I could see the argument for both. But I think in the in just the acceptance of what this eight hundred thousand dollar collection is, I feel like it's a it's a great step forward into being like look like people or at least us as in millennials, as in the kids that are collecting this shit, that are hoarding this shit, we now have a reason to be like, yeah, I, I bought 10 Supreme Bricks because eventually, you know, this could be worth something It's going to be sold at Sotheby's in like yeah, 30 exactly, years Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. For those yeah. people that see the ridiculousness in Supreme accessories that don't understand why a Supreme mountain bike is being sold for five times more than its retail price, it's because the name holds weight the same way that a a Damien Hurst, a Banksy, a fucking Van like Gogh holds yeah. waist. Yeah, exactly. So to know now that this name Supreme is going to be worth something later on down the line, whether it is a brand or not, then yeah, why why not collect it? Yeah, which presents a good uh, a good argument for a lot of the, a lot of people that do. Yeah, I mean, I think it in some way it provides justification for people who you know go out of their way to get these things. You know, some people, of course, are going to be like, are still aren't going to understand why people are paying like X amount of money for this or that, you yeah. know? Um, I think there's always going to be that some sort of disconnect, uh, especially if like, I don't know, I feel like to, I think this thing just kind of appeals more towards like the younger crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people that are older don't necessarily get, you know, get that connection. So, and they did a good job in like building this experience around it. Right. Yeah. Like typically Sotheby's and I pronounce that on point, there you go. particularly Sotheby's really is just like, okay, announcement we're gonna be selling this shit all right holding the auction all right highest bidder takes it boom there's press whatever about it and it sells and it's completely forgotten 
But what they did in particular with this one, and this was in partnership with Sotheby's and StockX, was providing an experience where people can literally come into a gallery and see every single Supreme deck that's going to be auctioned and see the history and see decks that they had never seen before or actually get to touch decks that, that they thought that they would never come across. And I think that's a really cool way of, <laughs> of not only having people who honestly didn't know anything about Sotheby's like come and understand who the brand is yeah. but also give something to people to you know to remember you yeah. know like this I, yeah. is an experience for everybody rather yeah. than just uh your typical auction because this type of collection doesn't come around often yeah I think it uh to your point I think it's a it did a good job of bridging like I said bridging that gap between maybe two groups that didn't know of each other like people who frequent Sotheby's and art auctions and collectors auctions things like that and then introducing that to the world of streetwear and everybody involved with that so I think that like that's really cool you know yeah um you know I think that's all you know that's what like we're about now and like what the future is about is just kind of bridging those gaps between two different groups two different ideas you know and I think the only way to get people that look down on streetwear or are kind of anti anti what we're doing. It takes experiences. It takes, you know, doing to show them like, hey, look, like you guys can like continue to hate or do whatever, but we're going to continue to do cool shit that we aren't really looking for your acceptance in. But the fact that it's cool and the fact that it's in is what's going to make you guys accept it later on down the line. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. You got to really show it to get people to understand it. Like yeah, you can't exactly. just talk about it. You have to like show it to people. So eventually they'll get it. Yeah. All right, let's move on. So, uh, this is a funny one and this one also broke headlines fairly recently. And we don't ever talk about this dude. Um, he was Never. one of my favorite artists when I was younger. Are, but are just, you serious? Yeah, dude. Just Justin Bieber, by the way, is this generation's like Justin Timberlake. He is this generation's Michael Jackson. That was okay. That that second one was a little bit of a reach. Okay, maybe okay, maybe not to the extent of like being as iconic as he was. Maybe five, six years ago, he was like the number one artist in the world. I will not disagree with that. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not currently are Michael Jackson, but back then I'd say he was like on top in terms of like being like an iconic pop star. Yeah, yeah, like to the point where nobody nobody else had ever come to like that echelon of like stardom. Yeah, I could. Uh, yeah, I could. I could agree. All right, I we could. Can, we can like we'll meet halfway. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Justin Bieber starts his own streetwear collection. I know, like, there's always celebrities that are always starting their own fashion line, all the, their own streetwear collection. But this one is very particular because, and, and the name is called Drew House, right? Yes. It goes by his middle name. Um, I'm assuming it's Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially, what it is is. Your typical streetwear brand with a goddamn smiley face and some super random ass name. <sighs> Can we just talk about this real quick? Let's talk about the fascination with with smiley faces. Yes. Because we know that this is obviously a thing. We have a lot of brands that are doing it. And also it is like their main insignia for their brand. And then let's also talk about this brand that me and you are both 
fairly fond of. And what I think is one of the inspirations into the name Drew House is Andrew Skateboard Company based out of Miami, Florida. Yes. And it's a combination. And this is this is what makes me upset. And we'll get into the two topics in a second. But this is what makes me upset when I see Justin Bieber start a company called Drew House is that one, there's no origin originality in taking the smiley face and repurposing it because we've seen it a hundred thousand times already. Yes. And also he if he may not know it, but to use a name like Drew House is is it's kind of very quite closely assimilated with a brand that's already fairly established on the come up in the name Andrew, which I think is the most ridiculous name for a brand, but also one of the coolest <laughs> names for a brand. Like it doesn't make any sense, but it it happens to make sense. And I feel like he knows the industry or has people that know the industry fairly well to know like, all right, these are the two things that are are kind of hot and you want to be kind of niche but also kind of like widely accepted and let's put those two things together and start and a see like brand. where the gray area is. Exactly, yeah. right? So yeah. how do you feel about just like your first impressions of seeing like celebrities start their own clothing line or, or their own streetwear brands and just sort of the, the initial acceptance of them? Um, I mean, talking specifically about Drew House, I wasn't, I saw it and I was interested in, in it and then I saw it and then I, yeah. <laughs> it's like in one ear, out the other. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I wasn't very impressed. Uh, like you said, it was just a lot of rehashed designs, a lot of rehashed like motifs, yeah. themes uh, that we see from other brands like Fear of God, like, yeah. which also like rehashes a lot of stuff too. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, I wasn't very impressed. I wasn't very moved by it. It was just kind of like, great, look at it for five seconds. All right, on to the next thing. Yeah, but that's the thing that really annoys me is seeing somebody of his stature who has the world's best designers in his contact list. He has, you know, he knows everybody that owns all of these, you know, streetwear brands, high fashion lines, yet puts out the same bullshit as everybody yeah. else. You it's know almost what I mean? it's almost kind of like a slap in the face if you yeah. think about it. It's like you have you have all the resources at hand and it's like it's almost disrespectful to put out something yeah. that's mediocre, you know. Like he is somebody who's always and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this about Bieber, but he's always been somebody where everybody's kind of paid attention to what he wears. Yeah. Like in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, nowadays he dresses like he's post Malone with like the whole like white yeah. trash. Have you look. seen that? <laughs> have you seen that movie with Ryan Gosling, uh, Place Beyond the Pines? Yeah. With David Mendes? Yeah, he dresses like that's that. That's really good. <laughs> that's a really good reference. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good movie. Yeah. But yeah, I can see that. And with all this at his disposal, you would think that he would put a lot of time and effort into creating something entirely new, right? I don't know what he's doing nowadays. He doesn't put out music. So you would think he's just been in the lab, like fucking looking at swatches and like on InDesign and Illustrator making logos, but he's definitely not, obviously, I, in this case. It's like a very, to me, it just, it seems very LA. Like, yeah, to it me, does. I don't know. Like, it does. Very like Hollywood. Very like, oh, here it is. Like, this, I don't know. Very like, not. I don't know. It's, it's like an minimal like effort. Everything is, yeah. yeah, a minimal effort. Yeah. Everything's an afterthought. Oh, uh, it's like, oh, I want to start a clothing brand. These are the types of clothes I want. And then they go like, oh, by the way, Justin, you got to come up with a logo and you yeah. got to come up with the names. Like, oh, okay, fuck it. Just use this. Yeah. Like that's literally all it is. And when you see like, and nowadays it's, it's just like a thing, large smiley face or some sort of motif that's similar to like a smiley face, cherry, whatever. You have like this sans serif font where it's like everything is just block letters and then you have fucking bright colors, yeah, which kind of purely defines us. Yeah, 
sensor. Yeah, right? Bright colors. And a dice. <laughs> but Jesus we didn't take Christ. any of that from no, them, okay? No. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. No, I, I think when I first saw it, it sort of evoked that sort of fake it till you make it mentality. Like, uh, I'm Justin Bieber. I know streetwear. I'll slap my name on this. Here you go. Like, have it. Yeah. Like, and maybe that's supposed to like carry some sort of weight or something. Yeah. Like that, but you, you know, know what it's going to turn out to be is like, it's going to be a complete and total flop. And he's going to be just like Ja Rule at the Fire Festival and be like, Jesus I had nothing Christ. to that do was with also- this. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do Yo, with they this. They set me up. Yeah. Right? Did you see the part where he was like, the models want to play with the pigs, so they're going to play with the fucking pigs. That part was so funny. That's going to be my, uh, if I was back in high school, that'd be my, my senior quote. <laughs> <laughs> but it brings up a good point to, to, to see like a lot of these celebrities, influencers, they're always good at one thing, right? They, 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 everybody wants to be multifaceted. Yeah. You see it with Virgil. I'm a designer, an amazing designer um, with an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> but also like now I want to host a radio show. I want to be a DJ. And it's like there's all these other creative outlets that a lot of these you know, amazingly talented people end up like indulging in, but sometimes it's not for everybody. I don't. I don't think talent. <laughs> I don't think talent in one thing necessarily translates to talent. It does in not. Thing. It yeah. does not. There's only a few people that are good at everything, and I think one person that comes top yeah, of and mind. Two of them would, are sitting right here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them that comes to mind would probably be Kobe. What else is he good at besides basketball? I don't know. Didn't he get like a like an Academy Award for something? Didn't he get yeah, like that? yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. He just seems to Fair win enough. everything. You know, I thought you were gonna say something like really. No, no, really I, out I of actually balance. can't think of anybody else okay. actually other All than right. Kobe. Um, but yeah, I mean, just that alone, it it, it it does it does sort of bring up the question of like, you know, is everybody that is famous should they be doing things like this? Not to say that they can't, but. You would think that somebody like Justin Bieber could put out some cool shit. Did you uh did you ever see that post by uh Bobby Hundreds? I think it was like why it was like some it was titled Why You Shouldn't Start Like a Streetwear Brand yeah, or something. I did, like that. I did see that. Yeah, I think uh I, I you know, I to be fair, like, okay, if you think starting a streetwear brand is your thing and that's your passion, then by all means go for it. But do I think everybody should be doing Hail the fuck no? <laughs> no, definitely not, right? Yeah. Like after going through maybe some uh, some loops and, and boundaries, eventually you'll understand, like, maybe this is not for me. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And considering that Justin Bieber is not only a millionaire, um, like one of the greatest musicians of our time, I would think that he wouldn't have to start a school. Yeah. Like, yo, you know can you I mean? just chill? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, just enjoy your money, have yeah, fun with Haley Baldwin, and just, yeah, like, exactly. kick it in, in the Bahamas or yeah. something. All right, but let's <laughs> move on to the next topic. And this is a good one. Uh, because we're in the same space. You know, we do podcasts, right? You're listening to a podcast. But something that I've noticed a lot lately is a lot of these companies, uh, companies that you would not typically expect are starting their own podcast. And we talked about it in our first, second episode is like podcast is the new wave. Podcast is the way that you indulge information at a... At a, at a lengthy, <laughs> at a lengthy space. Yeah. Um, but there's room to elaborate. There's room to bring guests on. There's room to provide context, and it is the new way that people um, sort of take in information. Now, a lot of your favorite brands, and and I'll name off a couple that 
we have here. Uh, there's the Gucci podcast. That's a very original name. There's the uh, a Mason Margella podcast, a very original name. And then uh, Saks Fifth Avenue also has a podcast. First initial reactions to seeing a lot of these brands starting their own podcast. What, is that, what does that essentially mean and what is the purpose behind it? Honestly, you really surprised me when you were like, hey, there's a Gucci podcast. There's a Margella podcast. I was like, no fucking way. Yeah, like, right? Like, to me... When I hear Margella, I don't automatically think, oh, yeah, I listen to their podcast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, First thing that comes to mind is like, damn, that's super expensive and I yeah. might be able to afford their fragrance. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yo, y'all got samples? Yeah, right? Make that shit last yeah. a week. <laughs> no, but um, I think I think it's good. I think, well, not good for us, but I mean. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. But I think brands and companies and just people in general are starting to realize that we're in the age of creating content and, you know, whatever way you can do that, whether it's a podcast, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Instagram, I think like this, obviously, like you said, this is going to be the future because, yeah. uh, you know, like one of the, one of those people that we always like to reference Gary V <laughs> <laughs> you got to eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he always talks about like why reality TV was so successful. Like in the nineties and like the early two thousands is still successful. It's because like people, very, people yeah. like eat that shit up. People want to, people are nosy. Like they want to know what's going That's on true. out there. Yeah. You the know? nosy part is, is a big piece. Of yeah, it. exactly. And I think, um, not nosy necessarily in terms of like personal shit, but I think just podcasts are a way of, you know, people for people to connect the brand with, you know, like for essentially that for people to be able to connect with the brand through whatever that brand's content and at is. least you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, if you think about like current day marketing for brands, it's uh, it's commercials, it's a uh, social media posts, billboards, a, a billboard, yeah. like a, a lookbook. Essentially, that's all you're really getting. You don't know who's designing it, who's modeling it. Maybe that that they end up tagging the model at some point, but you don't know who the people are in constructing what could be, if you like them, your favorite brand in the world. Yeah. Right. Like it's not like a Stussy, a Supreme where you feel as if like when you watch a Supreme skate video, you're like, damn, like that's the day in the life of being sponsored by Supreme yeah. or like being, you know, uh, you know, worker at Supreme. Like that's what you get to do like that. That's so cool. Yeah. It's much more personal. I think like you said, it brings sort of a face and or voice to that brand yeah. you know what i'm saying like you mentioned with supreme like you watch cherry you watch yeah. uh what's the lady blessed is yeah. The, yeah 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 you watch that and it's like wow this is like what they do like you said this is what they do on a daily basis like this is tight like i can associate that with the brand and like i can see how they relate and how each person in the video sort of like upholds that brand's values you know uh i think you know like when's the last time you remembered a brand like a billboard like Shit, ad. That, that actually that impacted actually me, like impacted like not you. in a while yeah, yeah exactly so i mean like there's that there's that disconnect or like even a commercial like you you watch netflix or you watch whatever like tv you see commercials for like th let's say 30 seconds yeah you still don't remember it not you at know all. Yeah, because yeah. like you don't associate with associated with anything but yeah. i think like a podcast is much more personal like you're actually hearing somebody like you actually like you're not just going to listen to a podcast out of the blue. Like a commercial, you're kind of forced to listen to it. But a podcast, like you're going out of your way to listen yeah. to it. You know what I'm saying? It's like back in the day when you would like listen to like your favorite song. Yeah. You couldn't just watch an interview about who this person is and like the 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 
the like um, the idea behind the lyrics or what it what it all means. But nowadays you can the the accessibility to all these different platforms between music, podcasts, radio, and now you have YouTube and full length videos of of whoever the fuck you want to watch nowadays. So a podcast I think is easy entry for a lot of these brands uh, at a quite of a, a quite low cost. Yeah, and, seriously, and they don't have to put full production behind. Uh, shooting a video because if you think about it when you're putting a video together and you're a brand like Margella or Gucci people expect some fire shit yeah and that fire shit is going to cost a lot of money if there's no like million dollar production value behind it and you're like a Gucci then people are going to be like well okay right like they can't just shoot in front of a white background and 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 talk about oh this is the history of our brand or whatever but in a podcast the expectation I feel like is set a little bit lower yeah when you listen to a podcast you expect some banter you expect uh, a, a nice little story some history uh maybe current topics and then as a brand like gucci or margella you just expect the the owners to be talking about business and and what to expect from the brand and and essentially talking to the customer which is what i think is a, is a great platform for them to do it because nowadays it's really really hard to do storytelling well yes and especially within YouTube videos, like the influencers do it so well, but they document themselves on a day-to-day basis to know like what it is that they're doing, how they're doing, and just like their day-to-day lives. But for some reason, brands have a really hard time doing that because there's nobody at those brands that are, you know, like, so they don't have celebrity. Yeah. Right. The, the, the head designer is not somebody that you want or that most people like idolize. Yeah. And I think brands are still on this wave of not being very transparent because like if you think about it, like a like, let's say an influencer and a multi multi-million dollar brand, like they have to navigate sort of differently. Like a influencer, it's one single person. You're not really tied to anything, yeah. you know, yeah. as a brand, like you have, I think, a lot more at stake. You literally have like thousands of people's jobs. At stake. Well, that's you know why they hire influencers, yeah. right? Yeah. It's because like, you know, think about all of the all of the front and center CEOs or owners of, of, of basketball teams or football teams that are in the spotlight, right? Like, I feel like they receive more scrutiny than they do praise for what they do yeah. outside of their job, right? Like a like somebody like, um, like a Mark Cuban, right? Owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He's looked at as like the douchiest dude in the world, but also the coolest dude in the world. But if, 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 if he never made himself out to be that guy on the court yelling and doing all these shenanigans, then you would never know who he is. And that just further pushes like this idea of, man, I kind of want to get to know who that is. Like, who is that? What did he do? And yeah. like, all this shit. So I feel like this is a good opportunity for brands like these, especially higher fashion brands, since they're always seen as so snobby and uptight. Yeah. And, and also like really like mysterious. Yeah, like, mysterious. Yeah. You know, I think when you think of maybe like a YSL, like a Gucci, you know, you, you don't necessarily think of like a personal connection. Not you kind of, yeah. when I think of those brands, I almost think of like sort of like a barrier to yeah, entry. You feel like you it's know? so foreign. Yeah, exactly. And I think a podcast is a good way, like you said, to like open up the doors to a lot of different people kind of, you know, bring that accessibility, that feeling of accessibility to different people, yeah. you know, and I s- I think I see a few disadvantages here. Though. Yeah, go ahead. And the thing about, you know, modern day social media is that if your life isn't satisfying, if you don't 
enjoy what you do for a job, if you don't love your day to day, then you're going to seek out reality, like reality yeah. TV. You're going to seek out podcasts. If you don't have good conversations with your friends, you're going to go listen. Sometimes you're going to go listen or watch a video or a vlog of people having conversations with their friends because you're not self-fulfilled. So sometimes I think like in this particular space of seeing like a brand like this is like sometimes I feel like these brands should give back in another way. You know, like maybe, you know, a podcast is cool, but what if you just, I don't know, fucking gave back to uh, to charity or yeah. something, you know, that may be like a different, different topic for another day. But sometimes I feel like it's almost, and I feel like this too. Sometimes it's like, sometimes putting out a podcast is almost disadvantageous to people who have like day-to-day lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it takes away from them, like not doing something that they should be doing. Yeah. Thank you for that, sense. by the way, right. and giving us <laughs> listens. Thank you for not doing what you're supposed to be doing, listening to us instead. No, but if you're, if you're a self-secure individual and you like listen to podcasts and you like listen yeah, to podcasts. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. Like, I mean, you could say that about anything, like overindulging kind of, you know, if you're using podcasting as like a distraction, then obviously maybe that's good i like that i I listen to podcasts and watch vlogs while i do the dishes it's definitely a good distraction (laughs) from taking away from the shitty things in life yeah um but i think i I, okay let's 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 start here then because you know when a lot a lot of brands actually do a good job at storytelling yeah without podcasts without like social media like nike is a like one of the prime examples of storytelling with or without a podcast yeah what is it that they do so well that other brands should take on and implement that causes them to be like literally the greatest storytellers in like damn near corporate America? I think, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like transparency. I think that Nike doesn't necessarily care and that's why people gravitate towards them so much. Because if you look at their ad campaigns like in the early days even in like the 90s like early 2000s like they were very out there like they yeah. people some people would even find them like very offensive you know but that's just nike that's them they that's them not paying attention to what people are going to say necessarily um because like i don't know to them i feel like any press is like good press that's good you yeah. know yeah yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So then why would you say that a lot of brands nowadays are scared to tell like a brand story? Is it because maybe sometimes they feel as if their brand story isn't authentic or like not enough to entice people? Because like, remember we talked about people want something to believe in. Yeah. They don't give a shit if like you ha- you make nice clothes. If your values don't match up with mine, then it's not something that I want to buy. Yeah. So why don't, a lot of these brands and I'm going to name like it's typically luxury brands, high fashion luxury brands. Why don't they like telling their story or why don't they? I mean, I think they do, but I just think it's 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 antiquated. It's like I, I feel it. like, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people can't relate because like, you know, like how the majority of America, I don't feel like can relate to a luxury brand where I think is like a brand like Nike is universal, yeah. you know, because it's there's such like a low barrier to entry mm. in terms of like consuming Nike and being like a fan of Nike um, that like, I don't know, you have kids in some of maybe the most like impoverished parts of the world and they, 
they know what Nike is. That's actually you a good point. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a good point. And that's why we see things like, and, and I'm going to use Versace as an example. That's yeah. why you see Versace collaborate with a brand like Kith. Yeah. Right? Is because not everybody can buy Versace. And Versace is so highly regarded as this super luxury brand, right? There's yeah. a fucking mansion named after like Versace. Like, it takes a lot to even get into the brand, to visit a store or whatever, because they're only in like metropolitan cities, exactly, right? Yeah. So let me, let me do a collaboration with this streetwear brand. Now you only pay, what, $30, $40 for a t-shirt. Now you can say you own a piece of Versace, and and now you, you, you're you a part of that story. And, and I think Versace is a good example of a very, very antiquated story that... You know, a lot of people knew of, but a lot of people just forgot about. And yeah. for them to reinvent themselves and tell that story again and to say, like, hey, like, we know that you people in the streetwear industry, in the streetwear world, you're into luxury now, right? Like, for some reason, everyone just started getting money all of a yeah. sudden. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck happened? Yeah, right? Like, where? <laughs> what, what did I miss? Yeah. <laughs> but now everyone's into luxury now. Everyone can afford it, or most people can afford it. So it's like, okay, like, let me, let me dip my toes into both worlds here's streetwear here's high fashion welcome we're versace right yeah, exactly <laughs> hey yeah i don't think they're italian <laughs> no they are are they are yeah okay, i'm pretty cool, sure cool. that's exactly how they right, sound cool. that was okay. perfect yeah, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> we might have to delete that <laughs> but i think like yeah like a, a reinvention um telling the story a different way or or even i know they had a good piece in releasing that netflix fucking series yeah. so they definitely reinvented themselves in, in a way that most millennials digest things nowadays so if it is a netflix series if it is a collaboration with a streetwear company or if it's a podcast i think it's a great those are all great entryways with an asterisk next to the netflix piece because not everyone's gonna get that <laughs> but that is a great entryway for a lot of the high fashion luxury brands to really get in tune with like what the newer generation the generation yeah. that's causing the um basically pushing the, the the culture forward like that that yeah. is where we are yeah it's a good uh like you said it's a good way to kind of connect with not only like the younger people but just the everyday person in general you know yeah. um so i think you know building that connection is, is really good yes so, that's a yep. good point so let's talk about since we're on the topic let's talk about the since we're talking about like this antiquatedness of a lot of these high fashion brands yeah um I recently read an article that basically said that the title was why every luxury brand's logo looks the same. Yeah, they do actually. Like <laughs> if you think about like, like you think about like the, the, the lettering, the, they're all, all the logos are like, like black fonts. Yep. What is it about this transition from it? And if you know what an old Versace logo looks like, if you know what an old St. Laurent, logo looks like gucci logo looked like everything was very like aristocratic and like royalty driven like lots of curves and shiny like what is the need for the transition to 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 move from this antiquated look to like a modern day sleek damn near let's all look the same type of look i think it's just you know it just comes with the times i think people are you know, kind of more gravitating more towards like this more minimal mm. sort of sleeker, like you said, more modern design where I think, whereas I think, you know, before, like maybe let's say like in the nineties, you wanted like this opulent, like extravagant looking shit that opulence is a good word. Yeah. It's a really good point. You know, like 
people don't want that now. People just want to, people, I think now enjoy more low key flexes than just like the super like over in your face. Like this is fucking Gucci. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like especially in the Dapper Dan days, it's like, I want you to know that this is Gucci and it's going to be so fucking puffy. It's like 3d in your face. It's going to, it's going to like slap you in the face. Yeah. You're going to know what I'm wearing. Yeah. That makes sense. Like I, it definitely comes with what the current like style is. I know that big branding and logos are currently a thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the logos that I'm wearing have to be like loud and obnoxious, yeah. right? Like I'm not wearing, you ever see those, like they're like really antique, like uh, thrifted items, like the surf style hoodies. Oh yeah. Like that, that thing is like in your face, like I'm in the water all the time yeah. type of like attire. But when it comes to these high fashion brands, Sim, like having similar logos, having a similar look, um, you know, very compressed black logos, it kind of says something about their heritage. Yeah. Right. And we talk about this idea of being antiquated. And if you really, really, really think about it, and I feel like Kanye West made a comment about a lot of these brands in, in Europe, they're very old school and old school mentality and way of thinking. That way of thinking was also quite racist. Yeah. So, if you, <laughs> so I could imagine, you know, with a brand refresh and and basically playing it safe, it's basically having the new modern day consumer look at it and be like, okay, I like, I like, like what yeah, they make. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I like it's I don't know what they've done in the past, yeah. right? Like, none, this logo doesn't scream, you know, mid century, eighteen hundreds or whenever these brands came out yeah. and like, fucking renaissance like yeah, all this it's other very, shit, you it's, know what I mean? yeah it's very like non-offensive yeah i think no i think that's a thing yeah. like these lo- some of these logos i don't i don't know the history of what some of these original original creators of these brands are but i'm assuming like there is if you really dig deep if you're really woke you could probably find some sort of tea about like the original you know owners the 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 logos what the brand stood for you just never know something in there you know what i mean it it could take a comedian like hannibal burst to point out that versace was a fucking rapist or something you know what i mean the way that he did with bill cosby so you really never know with a lot of these things but i think a, a cool brand refresh is nice i think high fashion is following the ways of streetwear and trying to get in with the cool crowd and understanding like oh damn if we don't do all of these things like and become modern then then people aren't gonna fuck with us right because but you know what's funny about that is everybody wants the antique shit anyway everybody wants the uh vintage versace pieces they all want the um like 70s cartier frames like everybody wants all the old shit but i guess it's okay at the same time to like the new shit yeah Yeah, it's it's a weird yeah it's a weird sort of paradox you know it's like brands want to adapt to like modern like whatever's going on but right people now. always want the vintage yeah shit, but right? people always like to reference like stuff in the past so but in doses yeah I think. In, that's very key I think in, in doses. doses people don't necessarily want to be suffocated by the past no, we don't want the old shit <laughs> no but i think people also it's I don't but know. it's cool every now and then yeah exactly you know? yeah, yeah, yeah i could exactly. see that i could see like a. Like a like a modern day like Saint Laurent stuff like just very clean cut fashion week forward, but then also like maybe like bringing it back with like a reimagined collection of yeah. like some like old school shit. So it's I not a phase, mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not trying to live in the past, mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of high fashion brands, we are yeah. actually going 
What time is it? We're, we're going to New York in a bit. We're, we're on our way to New York in the next couple of hours. So for those of you that are listening, I know there are a lot of you that are listening that are based out of the East Coast. Some of you based out of New York specifically. We will be in New York from when you are listening to this episode. We'll be there till, till Monday. So be sure to hit us up, man. And if you guys have any recommendations for things to do, also let us know. Yeah. Because uh, we are not working while we're out there. We are fucking having fun celebrating. And I think that's where we're going to end this episode because we have things to do. We're busy people. Yeah, we have to. We have a flight to catch. And we have a flight to a catch. Hours. Yeah. So we would appreciate you guys for listening to this episode. We're sorry it was late, but shit, we got you guys something. This is episode 74. Be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio on all social platforms, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Later. Later.